0: Help me, Obi-Wan, one
1: Ron Anian. This radio show is for you. It's about your car. And you know that all I really want to do is answer your questions. I want to talk to you about the car. I want to tell you what I went through in the shop this week.
2: The car doctor.
1: I really am here just for you. I just want to talk to you about your car and its problem. And that's what I've been doing these past 25 plus years. It's going on 26 now. I think we're about to hit 27. It's all about you
2: and your car. Why are
3: you stuck up? witted, scruffy-looking
2: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive
1: opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome and a happy New Year's Eve to each and every one of you. As we kick off this hour of the car, Doctor.
3: Wait, wait, Uh... it's what?
1: Well, isn't this New Year's
0: Eve?
3: Yeah, but it's not Happy New Year's Eve. It's just New Year's Eve. And we thought you said New Beer's Eve. Then why isn't it Happy so, New so, Year's Eve? So, so Tony went to the store and got some. Yeah, I got a six-pack of Heineken's. Yeah, and I, and I got some, and oh, well, geez. we're having a party in here, and you're there by yourself. And by the way, we've got the door locked, so you know,
1: kind of stinks to be you. Well, listen, I just want to warn you guys that, um, it, and I was going to tell you this before we started the show, but I haven't had time because I got my red jelly beans in here. Wait a minute. By the way, thanks for the red jelly beans. Um, You're there's welcome. Nothing, there's nothing bad in these, right? So these these are okay. Oh, only we know that. Mm. You don't. But the red jelly beans are good. Um, listen, for you and for everybody else out there, um, I can't find my cell phone, so usually I, I soundproof the studio before we start the show. So if somebody happens to call my cell phone during the show today, if the phone rings, at least we'll know where it is. Um, but in any event, Um, This is The Car Doctor. All serious, all kidding around aside, this is The Car Doctor. Happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Beer's Eve, whatever your heart desires. Um, We are here to talk about your car and repair. We're here to talk about taking you to the next level of understanding what that automobile is. And um, in all seriousness, I'm here just to help you. That's really what this is about. Um, Things like this customer came into the shop this week. She's driving a 2014, 2015 automobile. I won't say the brand because I think this is applicable. I've seen this type of thing going on at all manufacturers. I don't understand the wallet flush. And it it, it seems that's what repair shops are doing or some repair shops. And it doesn't matter. I've seen dealers do this. I've seen independents do this. I've seen chain stores do this. And, And I call it the wallet flush. Well, here, let me let me let me read it to you like this. And I think we've talked about this before, but it's getting worse. So at five thousand miles on this 2015 high tech, you know needs needs less maintenance now than it did before. Type of automobile. It's at five thousand miles. It's an oil change, fluids, tires, rotate uh, tire pressure, oil and fuel treatment. Um, uh, you get roadside assistance, rental car coverage. Why would you need rental car coverage on a new car under warranty that's got rental car coverage anyway? I don't understand that. That's a $100 oil change. It's a $100 fancy oil change. At 15,000 miles, it's the same thing, plus a cabin filter, an air filter, and a fuel filter. And I read that, and I said, how can they replace a fuel filter? But the car, most of these cars don't have fuel filters. They're in the tank. And why are they doing that? That's $220. At 20,000 miles, it's a repeat of the 5,000-mile service. Um And a wheel alignment for $200 and on and on and on. Every 5,000 miles, and you start to add it up. Let's see, 100, it's it's 1, 3, 5, 7, 12, 16, 3. Let me give you a price on that one. In the first 90,000 miles, you will spend a minimum. Of $3,000, almost $3,200 of maintenance, barring any breakdowns, anything tire-related, brakes, anything beyond normal wear and tear under warranty. And I'm thinking, isn't that excessive? Aren't we kind of doing this backwards? Didn't we buy a new car because we wanted to put a minimal amount of money into it just to pay off the car for the first 100,000 miles? And how bizarre is it that they're telling you that that car that you just spent thirty-five or $40,000 on is now a big piece of junk unless you do all this maintenance to it? I don't understand it, you know. I've said this for years. Cars are like kids. When they're young, you're, you know, look at a kid. Kids can bounce off the walls. They can fall out of a chair. They're fine. Y- you know, y- you get to be a little older, and all of a sudden you slip and fall down. You're laid up in the hospital for two weeks, heaven forbid. And cars are like kids. They're more durable when they're younger. They withstand the knocking around and the banging. If you want to get beyond 100,000 miles, if you want to get beyond 35, 40 years old, you stop doing those stupid things you did as a kid, all right? And I don't understand the thought process of how people fall for this. And what generated it was standing at the shop, the synthetic oil change we had done was about $75. And she said, gee, but... The dealer was only charging me 40 right, because it's $40 for the oil change, but it's 200 600 400 800 and so on for all the services that they're adding on. They're using the oil change as a loss leader. Wouldn't you rather pay for what you need and not have to worry about overpaying for things that aren't absolutely necessary or going to really help the car and the longevity of it? Some of these things... And I'm not saying they're not necessary. You know what? Start this service at 100,000 miles. You don't need to. This is overkill at 5,000 miles. First of all, the car doesn't even have a fuel filter. The car may not have a cabin filter. The car may not have certain filters that they're claiming in these. And you guys have them. You've all seen this. You've all gotten the brochures. It's usually the last thing the finance manager hands you at the dealership. Oh, now that you've bought your car, here's how we want you to take care of it. Not all dealers do it. Not all dealers are bad. There's a place for some of it, but you've just got to be aware. You've got to be aware of what you're buying, and that's my job. That's what I'm here for, and that's what I'm trying to do for you each and every week. If you go out to the Facebook page, get out to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor out on Facebook, you'll see the latest post. It's a picture of a steel wheel on a 2013 Toyota Prius. Little old lady's car. And I mean that by no insult. I Listen, my mom's a little old lady. I'm, a, I'm getting to be a little old man. But regardless, um, this 2013 Prius came in, and it had a flat. So AAA came out, and I can say it like that because it's factual. That's who did it. AAA came out, changed the flat, and whoever changed the flat, the car showed up on our doorstep two days later to have the spare replaced, and we were going to move around the steel wheel and all. The lug nuts are on backwards, all four. It's not like, and, you know, he worked at it to really make it happen, all right? He crushed the steel cone. He crushed the, the, you know, with the taper where the lug nut sits. And when I look at that, I posted it, and it stunned me. There's a couple of posts on the Facebook page where people said, gee, I didn't know that lug nuts only went one way. And that tells me I'm not doing my job right. That tells me I'm not trying hard enough. That tells me I've got to do more and better information to each and every one of you. And you can't sit there and say, oh, that's lack of common sense. People just don't know. When you look at those lists, I can look at that list and tell you, yeah, you know, the car doesn't have a fuel. She was stunned to hear, this This one particular woman customer, she was stunned to hear the car doesn't have a fuel filter. What do you mean it doesn't have a fuel filter? Cars don't have fuel filters that are replaceable anymore. I don't know of any late model car in the last six to eight years that has a replaceable fuel filter. I'm sure they're out there. I probably just didn't see enough of them. But the majority of fuel filters are now in the tank, and they're part of the fuel pump or the fuel pump module assembly. Listen, this is about education. We're going to have some laughs and yuck it up a little bit along the way. Hopefully something a little funnier than what Tom and Tony just sprung on me. There you go. Karma's, karma's a you-know-what coming back at you guys. But um, I really just i am here to help you talk talk to you about your car and Help you to understand it. And the way you do that is, by the way, I guess I should give this out. Now I'll just sit here and talk to myself for the next two hours. Is 855 560 9900. That number again is 855 560 9900, which that phone number is 24 7. We've made that so you can call the 855 560 9900 phone number, leave a message, and our producer will call you back and get you in the queue for the following show. We are live on the network Saturday afternoons. We go out on the airways Saturday afternoons, two to four p.m. After that, it's podcast and streaming, and uh, you know affiliates, other affiliates that take us. Some of some of our affiliates carry us live. Some of us are some of our affiliates take us on delay. Um, you know, but you can also do this by stream cardoctorshow.com. There's a live stream uh, on the computer just down to the left of my left leg here, uh, so you can pick it up that way. But the point is, don't feel like you can't call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero because you're down in Australia where we do have some listeners and, you know, we're not on the air at the same time. You can call that number. We'll call you back and do our best to get through wherever you are, whatever part of the world you're in, and uh, talk to you about your car and its problem. So anyway, let's pull over and take a pause for the because five five six I'm done babbling for this segment. I'm Ron of The Car Doctor, and I'll be back right after this. back what i of the car eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero anybody find my cell phone yet no okay uh, it can't be that important anyway um listen by the way before i go to the phones um i was looking at this list again during the break i was talking to tom so at five thousand miles they're going to rotate the tires but all and rotate the tires again at 15 so every ten thousand miles they're going to rotate the tires and that's such a generic term because what if this is a you know, what if this is a four-wheel drive versus a front-wheel drive versus an all-wheel drive? What if it has directional tires on it? What if it's, you know, depending upon the vehicle dictates and predicates when you rotate tires, not necessarily because the mileage says so. This, this thought process just makes no sense. And what's interesting is rotate tires. They never say anything about balancing them. Every time you rotate tires, every time, if you want to do it right, in my opinion, from what I've seen over the past 40-plus years, you balance at least the two tires up front. The two tires going up front should be balanced because that's where you'll pick up the vibration. You really want to do it 100%, yeah, balance all four. It doesn't hurt to balance all four tires every five to six or 8,000 miles. That's just common wear and tear. But you know, to follow something blindly for no reason, I could get political, but I won't because that's how we got into trouble in this country in a lot of ways. Let's open the phone lines. Let's go over to Matt in Minnesota. Looking for an early model SUV and a budget of about six grand. Matthew, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
0: Yes, Ron. Thank you. I really enjoy your program. Yeah, got about five to six thousand to spend. Looking for an SUV, smaller type. Let's say like a, oh, a Ford Escape. Perfect car. Uh, you know, not what?
1: Yeah, perfect car. That's exactly what I was thinking. But go ahead, finish your yeah, thought. Yeah,
0: not 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 a suburban and and not one of those four-wheel drive station wagons, you know, someone, right, yeah. you know, kind of a yeah, I'm just wondering based on what you've done and what you've seen over the years, something that's, you know, as good reliability. I mean, let's face
1: it. Condition dictates price and 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 what we want to buy. But if we're just talking about if, if all these vehicles are are equal, I'd have no problem saying a Ford Escape And I call them the shoebox Ford Escape. As a matter of fact, my wonderful engineer, chief engineer, what is your title now? Well, here he comes. I forget. Bottle washer. Bottle washer. My chief bottle washer and cook and chief engineer, Tom Ray, drove a 2010 Ford Escape to over 200,000 miles. His daughter's still driving it. And that thing took him everywhere through all kinds of bad weather and never let him down. So, you know, that square body style Escape, great vehicle.
0: Good, good,
3: great vehicle. Something that,
0: vehicle. something that's good for in the snow too, because we, you know, six months out of the year it's ice and snow, and uh, we we do travel quite a bit, right. and just ease of loading and unloading, and
3: um, Honda CRVs, yeah, Tom, that 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 twenty ten uh, Escape, I never had trouble in the snow, right? Never, never.
1: Well, and this is a guy, oh, good. And, and, and to tell you this, Matt. Tom, what, what Tom does when he's not doing anything else, which is rare, in Tom's, Tom's other job, one of his other jobs, one of his other hats, because he's a guy that has to keep busy, he is the... Can I, can I tell him about the, the emergency broadcast job for the state of New York? I think I just did. Tom is the, actually the emergency broadcast radio coordinator for the state of New York. His job is to drive around radio stations in New York State to make sure they're all up into compliance for emergency broadcast system. Um, so no when, when, when Tom has to get somewhere... In all kinds of crazy weather, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard they've heard of snow in upstate New York like you've heard of it in Minnesota. Tom can't oh, stop. Yeah. Tom's got to go. So, yeah. you know, that escape took him everywhere. Um, now, I want to point out Tom had some of the best tires in the world on that escape because it also depends on tires in terms of getting through snow. Tom was running Generals, of course, and he had absolutely yeah. no problem getting getting where he had to go with his General tires. But, you know, its, it's tires do allow for that as well. Honda CRV. Yeah great vehicle okay again yeah. uh, you know was the is the maintenance being done to that Honda but if if my choices I'll give you three it's a Honda CRV it's a Ford Escape yeah. and it's a Toyota Rav 4 I think those are okay. probably three of the better ones um yeah you could start to look at the Nissans if Nissan has something comparable in that class the smaller ones uh, you know the Mitsubishi stuff or the Subarus my experience with the Subarus has been personally I think for where you're gonna be dollar wise. When it's, yep. when it's going to be that old, it's going to have too many mechanical issues that are going to get to be too expensive. Five, six grand is going to buy you a Subaru that's got probably, from the way I see pricing here in, in New Jersey, New York, you're going to buy something that's got well over 120,000, 130,000 miles on it. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and that Escape might too, but I will say this. I think cost to repair, the Escape's a cheaper vehicle to maintain and repair than that Subaru. Just my opinion, well, Just just what I see in the shop. Now... You're being in Minnesota, yeah. I'm going to tell you to be selective and make sure you lift the car and look underneath salt, corrosion, rust, because yeah. con- condition dictates price and whether or not you want the vehicle. So, yeah. But yeah. that's where I'd be looking.
0: Now, is that escape or normally a rear driver and then you put it in the four, or is it an all wheel?
1: Um, Tom, all wheel. Tom's is an all wheel. Yeah, and I think they are. You can get them as a front wheel, but generally oh. they are all wheel all the time. Yep, usually it's okay. uh
3: usually people buy the all wheel but uh, they do have a two wheel version which is right. rear drive.
1: Right. It is is it a rear drive if it's two wheel? I thought it was front. Yeah, you know, I think it
3: is. I think it is a rear drive. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. No, I think it's a front wheel bib. Yeah, maybe you yeah, maybe you're right on that. I think yeah, it's, I, I, I think
1: it's a front wheel. Yeah, but but the um, one I
3: have is all wheel and it works uh Oh, there's my w- cell phone. Works fulfilling Yes.
1: Um can't but find I, yours, but I got mine. Well, thank god we found one of them. Matt, but I will I will say this. Be sure that when you buy it, you lift it to see what it was. Don't assume it's a it's an all wheel or, or or a four wheel drive vehicle, yeah. whatever you're buying. Um, yeah, you know, just because the controls aren't there, and that is a that is something to think about. I have seen that where you think it's an all wheel drive vehicle because we're not things are all wheel drive. There's no controls; it just happens automatically. Yeah, we have a customer in the shop now. She lived in Florida. She relocated to North Jersey. She's driving a 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Every time she comes in we sit there and look at it and laugh. It's a rear wheel drive. Oh. And the reason being is she leased the car in Florida, moved to New Jersey, and she doesn't she didn't yeah, she was in Florida. Didn't need four wheel drive. I don't know how she's going to get right. rid of it when the lease comes up in a year and a half because who's going to want it in New Jersey? You're going to have four wheel drive. You have to.
0: So well, that's what we're looking for yeah. is is for the 4 wheel or all-wheel. Yeah. Is that a uh, is that a six cylinder or a four? They make it
1: both ways, but I would tell you to pick out the pick out the six. That's what Tom had, and I think in a vehicle that size it's going to give it more durability and more power on the road. Matthew, good luck to you, sir. And uh, if you need any more information, 855-560-9900. We're here to help you and everyone else. I'm Ron Dean the car doctor. We are back right after this. Car Doctor, rolling along at 855-560-9900. A Car Doctor shout-out to a very special listener, a little lady who is uh, recuperating in the hospital today, and uh, we want to send some love out to Mom. She's a little banged up and a little weary, and uh, we want to just tell her that we love her, we're thinking of her, and we know she's out there listening to the radio and get well soon and uh, come on home. Let's get back to the phones. Let's go over and talk to Doug in West Virginia, 2008 Honda Accord. Some questions about maintenance. Doug, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: How you doing, Ron?
1: Good. What's and, going on, man?
2: Uh, I just bought a, a used 2008 Honda Accord with 88,000 miles. Bought it from a dealer. Got it a, in a trade-in, and uh, I can't get a hold of the owner, the previous owner. So I just really, yeah, you know, I want to keep this car for another 200,000 miles. Okay. I know that certain things need to be changed at 100,000 miles. Are we going to change the spark plugs? The timing belt, I'm sure, needs changed.
1: Um, is this a V6? Go ahead do... This is a V6, Doug. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Then there's a. There's, so it's going to be timing belt, water pump, thermostat, coolant. Here's the rule on maintenance: when you buy a used car and you want to do maintenance, assume nothing. You know, even right. if it's, even if it's written in documentation. It's still a judgment call. If they say they changed trans fluid and the trans fluid is a little dirty, change it. All right? Right. No, if the trans fluid is, is 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 bright and shiny pink, okay, they changed it. But, you know, if you have any doubt, change it now so at least you're not guessing during the life of the car so you can get to that 200,000 miles that you want to get to. So it's it's timing belt, water pump, thermostat, coolant, serpentine okay. belt, the regular SERP belt. It's right. it's going to be when you do the timing belt, you want to do a whole timing belt kit. You don't want to do half a timing belt. You want to do a tensioner. You want to do the roller, the idler, and you want to do the timing belt pulley, all right? right. Ch- change all the components. car's got 90,000 miles on it. You don't want to have to visit this again for another 90,000 miles. It's silly.
2: Yeah, and I understand this is an interference motor, so if the timing belt breaks, then uh, basically I'm looking for a new motor. Right,
1: or a car, one or the other. Um, exactly. And, and that's if, and listen, even if it's not an interference motor, it, you know, it's still an issue because now you're on the side of the uh, of the interstate, and, you know, we had a customer with a Toyota Highlander, the timing belt broke on the interstate, She it broke, it overheated, the 18-wheelers are bearing down on her, the car can't get out of its own way, young driver, it was, it was almost a catastrophe that, that, that happened, and fortunately it, it worked out okay where it just took out the car and everybody was safe because, after all, it's only sheet metal. But, you know, so we want to look at all those things. Obviously change the oil, change the trans fluid, a brake fluid flush. Depending upon what they look like, I would at least consider taking the brake calipers apart, take them off their brackets, clean and lube everything take a look at the pads how were the brakes done you know does does did anybody have any common sense and clean and lube the caliper mounting brackets so that things move and float freely like they should it's a it's an eight going on nine year old vehicle you know what sort of maintenance has right. been done to the brakes really really important stuff and you know that's probably all you need to do it at face value oh you know what the only other thing i would consider doing i would do one is a throttle body cleaning Clean the throttle body going into the air intake. Now, understand, on a Honda, Hondas are a little sensitive, all right? When you clean the throttle body, you're going to have to go through a throttle body relearn where they do an idle learn. You need a scan tool to do that. You're not going to be able to do it any other way that I'm aware of. Okay. And if you don't do that, you can set a fault code. It comes up with it comes up with erroneous. It, it thinks there's a, a false map. Sensor readings, P0505, P0504, something like that, um, or 507, I'm sorry, P0, it'll set a P0507, I believe it is, map sensor fault. There's actually a couple of bulletins from Honda that talks about this specific procedure about using a scan tool, going in, doing an ECM reset, and then doing a relearn, uh, watching the idle relearn PID. On the scan tool to see if it if it when it actually happens and it's a matter of running the car at three grand until the fan cycle and then letting it idle um, along the way. Not every Honda is applicable to it. The majority of the V6s are. So I would just be cautious. Clean the throttle body, but be prepared. If you do set a fault code, you're gonna have to find a buddy or a repair shop with a scan tool that can do a relearn um, at the very least, or you know the dealer level tool. The Honda dealer level tool will do it as well. So, uh, you know, fuel system cleanliness. And then, you know, let's look at wiper blades and obviously tires. And just for giggles, it's been eight, nine years down West Virginia roads in winters and summers. And just take a peek at the radiator. No sense having the radiator fail after you go through all this with the coolant. You know, to me, that's typical maintenance. That's typical take a used car, shape it up, and, you know, close the hood for the next 100,000 miles. And until something fails, just drive it. And that's, that's most of what you're going to see on a Honda of that generation.
2: Let me ask you a question. Honda recommends their oil, which is a synthetic blend. There isn't a problem with switching to full synthetic, is there?
1: I think synthetic blend is probably one of the biggest marketing ploys deployed upon the American public in the last 30 years. I don't understand it. I don't know why you would want synthetic blend. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, going at the Starbucks and getting getting a regular cup of coffee and using their creamer. What's the point? Uh, you know, that's not a knock on Starbucks. I'm just saying, you know, brand for brand or component for component. My point is that, you know, to me it's either conventional or synthetic because of the right. price difference. It, it isn't that much of a difference. It isn't that big a deal. Um, you know, I, I think synthetic blend was created, uh, you know, to make people happy at a price point because we're always trying to make everyone happy. Everybody wins. It's T-ball in America. You know, everybody gets right. a trophy. But I think that synthetic oil on something of this generation, absolutely, positively the way to go. You know, I'm going to tell you to get out to Pennzoil and look at Pennzoilsynthetics.com and read all about synthetics there. If you're going to ask me about brand of oil, I'm going to tell you to look at Pennzoil. I like Pennzoil. Good quality stuff. Um, you know, but... You know,
2: that's uh, that's I, what I use is Pennzoil. Right. Synthetic. Hey, um, one... Uh, what about any additives? I've I've used stuff like Slick Fifty in the past. Should would you recommend anything like that? Yeah, should...
1: I don't think I don't think you need it. Um, I think it's okay. unnecessary. I think um, you know, just doing the maintenance we talked about, some fuel system cleaner in the tank. Uh, you know, by all means, get out to Berryman, get out to Products dot com. I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to use their Hest fuel tank cleaners, and we've seen some very good results with that of late and right. you know take 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 that to heart
2: um well i've but, been listening to your show for a long time and and typically what i do is i use berrymans about every four four tank pulls right is that too often
1: no i think it you know is what?
2: probably once a month because i run 87 and in this particular vehicle you can you can you just have to use 87 or a higher grade some of the later models recommend, or tell you to use 93, but I think with running 87, what I try to do is put a can of Barryman's in um, like every fourth tankful.
1: No, I think you're on target if you even wanted to do it every three tankfuls. But, uh, you know, the idea is to put some type of an additive in there because I think I think the problem with fuel systems today is that... Even staying consistent with one brand, and it's difficult. Listen, we all lead busy busy lives. But even trying to stay consistent with one brand, the, the the consistency at the pump at the refinery, by the season, by the region of the country, it all changes on a on a regular, semi regular basis. So I think a fuel system additive, a cleaner like a Berryman product, I think that is going to be the equalizer. It you know, it sort of levels the playing field and helps keep the balance amongst the problems, so to speak, if that makes sense. Okay, great. All right, sir. Hey, listen, you, right. have a, you have a good New Year down there, at West Virginia Way, Doug, and I'm glad to count you among the Car Doctor family. You be safe, and uh, we'll see you in the New Year.
2: You do the same.
1: Take good care. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Fired up and ready to go. I'm waiting for your call. I'll be back right after this. Get On any of the car doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's go over and talk to Tim in Bangor Maine seventy six Chrysler Cordoba with the fine Corinthian leather. Anybody remember that commercial? Raise your hand. I remember that. Who is that? What was that? Was it? What was the character actor's name? Tim. What was the character actor's name that sold your car? Do you remember on TV?
3: Ricardo montaban Right.
1: And what else is he famous for? Let's see how good everybody is today. Anybody? The
3: plane, boss. The
1: plane. The plane. What else? Tim. What else was he in? Anybody remember? Since this is New Year's and we're looking back. Wait. Star
3: Trek, the Star, Khan. He was Star like, Trek. Uh,
1: he was the Rath of Khan. He was the bad guy in the Rath Yeah. Yeah. So since this is New Year's and we're looking back as, uh, as, as to what was. But anyway, so how can I help you in your fine Corinthian leather, sir?
3: Well, unfortunately, no Corinthian leather in mine, But mm. um, it does have a, uh, a problem that it won't start. Um, it's got a regular ignition, not the electronic lean burn. And... Uh, it gets spark in the run, when the key's in the run position, but not in the start position. Okay.
1: Now, this is still a factory system, correct? Factory diagram? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. So when it goes, so it'll get spark in the crank position, but not in run? If I, is uh, that, is no, you,
3: it gets uh, the other way around. It gets spark in the run, but not the crank.
1: Okay, so you go to well, how do you know it's got spark in the in the in the in the run position
3: uh well, what it was doing was try to start at nothing, move the key from start to run, and it gives a little chug. put a spark tester on it, and uh occasionally depending upon where the rotor is passing, you know when you go from start to run, I have seen spark uh in the when the key's in the run position.
1: okay, how about this? Do you have a remote starter switch
3: uh Yes, I, I, and I've tried starting it with the key uh, in run and jumping the starter, and I get nothing.
1: Do you have and you have no spark? Yeah. Okay, so it really doesn't have spark in the run position.
3: Well, I've I've you know I, like I said, I've seen it and it, it gives a little chug when you go from start to run. It gives a little chug, like maybe one or two cylinders are firing, but not enough to get it to, to keep spinning. Right. Well,
1: re- refresh my memory, Tim. This is a 76. This is a non-lean burn, but this is a factory non-lean burn system. Correct. Okay. So this has the electronic module bolted to the firewall? Correct. Okay. So this has a pickup inside the distributor, right, an electronic yes. pickup. Um, air gap, if I remember right. Uh, let's see. Yep. How well can I remember? Six to eight thousandths? I remember it being small. Seven. Seven. Six to eight. There you go. Yeah. So... And you need to use a you, you you needed to use a copper feeler gauge or a brass brass feeler gauge is what it was yep. so that it wouldn't stick None to the magnetic. magnet. Yep. So once we get past that, then we got to have the conversation. This is the three wire um, control module, correct? Uh, I
3: think or it so. Or is it five had, wire? Maybe it was. I think well, it was three, three and five. And yeah. uh, well. Maybe I can save a little time. I, I have a factory shop manual. Right. And using a, a triple tester, I the ignition system, everything, I, you know, I get the voltage I'm supposed to have or the resistance, you know, whatever it is. So the ignition system, you know, from what I can tell, checks out okay.
1: Well, if the ignition system checks out okay and you don't have spark, one of the tests is wrong. Right?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and listen, let's just, let's start with the coil. Okay, let's go, to the, let's, okay. Go to the, let's go to the negative side of the coil. Let's put a test light right. there. Crank it over. Does the test light blink? Uh, I don't know. Okay, if the test light doesn't blink, if the test light's on steady, then it's not getting a signal. If the test light's on, if the test light blink, 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 all right, then the coil's being told to discharge, but nothing happens. Because I'm assuming you're testing this at both the center of the coil tower you know, test putting your spark plug tester on the coil wire as well as on a spark plug wire.
3: Yeah, I tested on a spark plug wire.
1: Okay, test it at the coil. Okay. How do you how do you know how do you know the spark isn't getting lost on the rotor going to going to ground to shaft through a crack in the rotor? You're you're you're, okay. t- you're testing it right, Tim. Break the system down into less components, less steps. All right, so let's take a test light. This is an older car. I feel safe doing this. Let's take a test light, put it to the negative side of the coil, crank it over. That light should blink, showing the signals being turned on and off. All right, if the light doesn't blink or light up at all, do you have 12 volts at the positive side of the coil? If you have all that, do you have spark coming out of the coil? If you don't, you've got a bad coil. Let's go from there. Tim, I'm up against the clock. Do those tests. Call me back next week. We'll go from there, 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Oh, Hey Ron, Andy, the car doctor. We're back, real quick. Let's get over to Steve Valley Stream, New York. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. What's going on, real quick, sir?
2: Hey, hey, Ron. Thanks a lot for taking my call. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah, I have a 2011 Buick LaCrosse uh, 3.6 of the of V6, and uh, it's charging at uh, uh, 15.2, and I, I don't know if that's a problem. Nope. I mean, I...
1: You, Stephen, you hear me? Or Steve, you hear yes. me? Talk about how on on later model cars now. If you put a battery in, you've got to start to do a scan tool reset to learn the charging system and the PCM to the new battery. Have you heard that conversation? Yeah. So that's – I've been talking about this about a year now. So here's uh, a classic example of it, all right? This charging system is controlled by the BCM with a signal through the ECM. There are six modes of operation of this charging system. Battery sulfation mode to control battery sulfation, charge mode, fuel economy, headlamps, startup, and voltage reduction, all right? This, this particular charging system, like a lot of GM charging systems of this generation, all work off a commanded duty cycle. Go to the front door of your house, okay? Open the door all the way on a one-second count. That's one. Open and close the door all the way 10 times in one second. That's a change of duty cycle. You're still opening it up. You're just opening it up more in that time frame. That's a duty cycle. This charging system will go from 10% with a generator output of about 11 volts to a 90% command with a generator commanded output voltage of 15 and a half. The computer's taken over, baby. But, Steven, your car is absolutely fine until it turns on the check engine light and sets a fault code. I'm Ron Anini and Annie in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless.